And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Welcome back, and uh, we have a guest today who I met on Facebook of all places. Her name is Cynthia Gladys. She's a graphic designer and uh, from uh, New Jersey, but she also spends a lot of time down south on Hilton Head Island. Uh, that's actually how I found her. I, uh, I was looking at some photos, and I saw, I was in Hilton Head at the time, and I see a photograph of these, the, the blue uh, rental umbrellas that you see in these places, and I knew exactly where it was. And uh, so we connected, and uh, turns out she's a big fan of the new topographic movement. And uh, so we're going to talk about that. You probably don't even know what that is. So, Cynthia, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Bob. Yeah, glad to have you. We connected a couple of months ago. So Yeah, yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Now you're back up in the Great White North. Of New Jersey, yes. New Jersey. Hot and humid and very steamy. New Jersey. Yeah, I feel like you're back in South Carolina, right? Uh, not quite. I miss the beach. <laughs> you miss the beach. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Time to get back to work. So anyway, yeah. So Cynthia, uh, I, I I saw her new topographic movement work, and I, I'm I'm going to explain what that is in a minute. And then I happened to see on Facebook that she's friends with uh, some people I have a lot of respect for, and. Uh, I don't, I don't even know if you like know your friends with some of these people, you know how it, how it is, but uh, uh, Cristobal Casaniello from Spain, who's been featured in the magazine, and he wins like all kinds of contests nationwide, and he does work similar to yours. I mean, it's almost oh, abstract in a way. Yeah. And uh, good guy, really good guy, fabulous photographer. So, you know, that catches my eye when I see people on Facebook who are friends with people I, uh, photographers yeah. I, I have a lot of respect for. So, It's a great community. The photo community is just wonderful. It's hard to keep up with it, though, because there's so many. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. Well, anyway, before we get, get down this trail, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into photography and oh, okay. how you got interested <laughs> in the new topographic movement, of all things. By um, the way, the... Uh, just to tell everyone, this is, uh, you know, new topographic is sort of a, a close cousin to street photography. And that's why I'm bringing it up today. Yeah. Street photography without people is kind of the way exactly. I look at it. That's we what I call it. No people. We try to avoid shots with people in this. It's more about the surroundings, um, man's impact on the environment. Um, I enjoy shooting it in New Jersey because there's no shortage of quirky little scenes of Cars with flat tires parked against a motel or, you know, <laughs> things like that. That's what I look for. And I, I also shoot it out of a train window. I've done that quite a bit. We go into New York a lot. And when I take the train, I sit there and shoot the seedier side of New Jersey, which is a lot of the backs of the industrial parks and everything. I do that. But about me, um, I like you said, I'm a graphic designer. And that really informs a lot of my photography. I started in earnest about eight years ago with my Galaxy Note 3 phone, I was taking cloud pictures and I just got hooked. And I said to myself, you know, I really want to learn how to use a real camera, how to finally once and for all, as someone who always did snap shooting when I was younger, I wanted to learn real photography. So I did. And I'm basically self-taught. And um, I have to say that my graphic design background influences my photography immensely because I like everything clean and aligned and um, I like a graphic look. So you you might find that it spills over into all the different styles that I shoot. And I love it. I just love photography. It's become something I try to, I'm involved with it in some capacity every single day because it's just something that gives me so much joy. It's a sickness, isn't it? it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good sickness. I, I, I guess blessing. that's it's one way curse. of looking at it. It's a good sickness, though. It's a healthy sickness because you right. get to be creative. Yeah, get you out walking. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like to show people my um, my worldview, how I how I see things. I look for irony, humor, 
quirkiness. That's kind of my MO, I guess you'd say. Yeah, it's something you saw at that time. So yeah. people are actually like getting inside your head. And yeah, that, definitely. And that's not original to me. I'll just tell you, I, I, I mean, I was out walking my daughter's dog before before we talk. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to the B&H podcast from oh, okay. like last year. It, it, these two people who are like in charge of the Saul Lighter archives. Mm-hmm. And they knew him before he died. And they're like putting all this stuff together. And, and God, I forgot their name. But the woman said something that really stuck home with me. She goes, I, I just love when I pull out a, a photo that he made in 1970 or something. And that was his vision, you know, through his eye, his own eye and his own brain at that mm-hmm. moment in time. And so I'm actually looking, you know, through his eyes from 50 years ago. It's fascinating when you look at it that way, that you're, I, I see some street photography that um, th- these shots that I find absolutely incredible. But then when I stop and think the person who took the picture inserted themselves in that scene. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty incredible sometimes because you wonder how they got that kind of access. You know, like um, it's just, I, I understand what you're saying. You are seeing a scene through someone else's eyes who was actually there. It's fascinating. I love it. Yeah. And then, or if you happen to be alongside them or near them when they took their photo and you took yours and you look at theirs and go, I didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did they do that? You were right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mostly shoot alone. I have to admit, I yeah. don't. I have a few friends that I'm. I like to walk around with and shoot, but um, my husband doesn't like walking with me when I'm. I've got my camera because <laughs> I constantly stop. Uh, and he, he, you know, he's like, you have to keep going. <laughs> you can't just keep stopping in the sidewalk in New York. So sure, I can. Sure so I go can. by myself. <laughs> Lots of people do that. Yeah. yeah. You ever hear this one? How many pictures of that do you have to take? Oh. Yeah. No, I would hear it if he saw me taking sunset photos. When I look back at some of my earlier work, <laughs> I used to come home on I'd I'd go out for a walk in the evening and I would start shooting the sunset and I'd come back with 50 copies of what looked like the same picture. Yeah. I don't do that anymore. And no. um film has helped me with that where you know you're limited to the number of exposures and you realize you only need one or two. <laughs> but That's you right. learn over time. You do, yeah, especially if you're paying to develop film. And yes, it, exactly. <laughs> wow. So anyway, we opened this talking about the new topographic movement, which is mm-hmm. which is how you caught my eye, and and, and we'd love to put a few few of your photos in this in the article that goes with this, by the way, so people can Wonderful. share in it. But yeah, and um, I, I'm just going to tell you what I know about it. Well, it's funny because I I had a photo I put in our our group, um. One thing I'm drawn to is empty chairs. Oh my gosh, you're kidding. Oh, you like empty chairs? Oh, I have a lot of empty <laughs> chair photos. In fact, Chinatown, I go to Chinatown. <clears throat> excuse me. I did a little series called Pairs of Chairs because I kept finding two, two, two. That's so funny that you Oh, that's that. great. I thought I'd yeah. like to see that. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 that's fine. Are, I this love is, chairs. <laughs> this is a conversation. This, you know, mm-hmm. this is an interrogation. But uh, yeah, I took one. I don't. One of my favorites I took in Miami at the Miami Street Photography Festival. But I, I won't. We'll go into that. But it was just some empty chairs. To me, empty chairs denote denote loneliness. You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had this photo of these chairs. They were arranged in an interesting way. And I put it in, in the Facebook group. And somebody responded to me and said, "That's not street photography. That's new topographic." And I go, what the heck is that? Oh, please. People get so worked up over the labels. But Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't get me started with that. Well, isn't street photography, though, also just um, the presence of a human, even if the person isn't in the picture? I mean, it's an empty chair says that somebody's going to sit on it. Well, I, I happen to agree <laughs> with you. You know, we're going to get some hate mail now, but that's okay. I was like... I, I, I don't get too caught up in, in the definitions. It's ridiculous to yeah. argue about it, really. Well, when I got that comment, I, I said, I have to look this up. So I looked it up. There was, of course, a group, which uh-huh. I joined, a Facebook group. What, the empty chair group? No, no, no. The new topographic. Oh, okay. Because there is an empty chair group I belong to. <laughs> there, <laughs> there probably is. If not, you can start one. Uh, I'll, I'll anyway, join I'm it. sorry. Yeah, but new it, topographics, it, back on track. 
Yeah, so it started in 1975. It was mm-hmm. in an exhibition in uh, Rochester at uh, like the Eastman Museum, I think. I, I forget it what was, the exact yeah. museum. And um, there are a lot of people who were famous at the time. He said it, it signaled a radical shift away from traditional depictions of landscape. Pictures of transcendent natural vistas gave way to... I'm reading this, by the way. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Un, yeah How many people un- I know say transist- transcendent natural yeah, yeah, vistas? Anyway. This, this artist speaks stuff. but uh, gave way to unromanticized views of stark industrial landscapes, suburban sprawl, and everyday scenes not usually given a second chance, glance. Basically, mm-hmm. it's about the effects of people, not people themselves. That's yep. Kind of, kind of how I describe it, and uh, I don't know. It just draws me in. It's a good thing to practice if you're out doing street photography and there's not a lot of people around. Yeah, yeah. You know, takes. I, I call them no people photos. I think you you said something. Similar. I look for those actually. You no know. people and no cars. But the yeah. no cars, huh? Okay. Oh, I I I go for views because if you're if you find a great storefront say that's run down or uh, yeah uh, you have you're using a wide angle lens and you're across the street and you're like oh wow that's a great view but, but there's a car parked in front of it it's like oh so i've actually stood and waited for the people to come out and move their car because it you just yeah. want that empty kind of you know but so, I, sometimes cars are good i personally like no cars and no people one of, one of my favorite I guess you could call it a new topographic photo was uh it, it's on the cover of our magazine well, I think our after our first year um by a gentleman called named Len Spire and uh mm-hmm. it's it's a Volkswagen bug in front of a building you can probably see it behind me I know Cynthia can um in, in front of a yes, building Yes I can yeah. actually with the windows I like the way they lined it up and framed yeah. it yeah, he, he well, was that, a really that's he was a, a great little different though. The yeah. car is sort of the point where it um, is. And a lot is. of times it's if I see a nice scene, the car a lot of times is in the way. I'd like to take a quick break to thank the Street Photography Magazine subscribers for your support. We couldn't do this without you. You may have noticed that we don't sell advertising or sponsorships in the podcast or inside Street Photography Magazine itself. And that's because we want to be completely objective about the work we publish and the services and gear that we cover. Our only constituent is you, our listeners and readers. So if you like what we're doing, you can support the show by subscribing to Street Photography Magazine. It's only $5 per month, and you can do it by visiting streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe. And now back to the show. So I, take, I go out and take these photos. By the way, since I think since I saw Cynthia's work in in the group, I don't think I've put one photo in there because there's her. Hers oh, are so come good. on. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I'll have a picture of like some old building in a field or something like that that attracts me. I try to make a decent composition of it. But Cynthia, being a graphic designer, her work is like on another plane. I think it's uh, Thank minimalistic, very highly I, graphical. I, now I know why, because you're a graphic designer. And I, I just wonder what, you know, what makes you stop and photograph things like like shopping, shopping carts, carts outside of a Target. <laughs> Funny that you, that's exactly where I was going. I know. Shopping uh, carts. Did you see the one that's up on top of the, um, can I just talk a little bit about what I did during the pandemic as far as this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Because that's, I've always liked shooting like this. Um, It's, I belong to a great group on Facebook and the way it's run. um, I don't know if we mentioned names here or anything, but. um, Yeah, go ahead. I don't care. Paul Kilgore. He, he had taken the group over and he does a really great job running it. And he's got a very broad definition of new topographics and what is considered appropriate for the group. So, we have a lot of latitude and we have a lot of fun. Um, what I did during the pandemic, because it, we were under lockdown in New Jersey, but I was not going to sit in the house for, for three or four months. So I would go out and walk or I would take my car and go to the malls, which were thankfully very empty. Um, not a lot of cars. And I would wander around and try to take pictures showing um, 
places that were closed, um, the effect of the pandemic on, um, on New Jersey, really. But it was a lot of fun to walk around behind the buildings. I, be I belong to another really good group called the B-Sides <laughs> Architecture run by Marcus Lair. It's wonderful. And we look for those quirky scenes. So I would wander around behind and I ended up with, I could do a whole portfolio on shopping cart photos. Um, they're fun. They, they take on um, human qualities to me. Like uh, I saw a scene where there were two carts and they were, they looked like they were back to back, but they looked like they had had a spat. Now, other people might look at that and say, oh, she took a picture of a couple of shopping carts. Why? Um, I look at it and I say, oh, they had a spat. So it's, I have a little different way of looking. I guess um, pareidolia is the word when it's not just seeing faces, it's seeing things that are not really what you're looking at, um, assigning human qualities <laughs> to things that are totally inanimate. But um, I have a lot of fun with it. I, I can't, if I couldn't apply my sense of humor to my photography, I would just give it up. So it's, it's, it's wonderful. So I did that for all, all last summer and I developed a, a, quite a portfolio of New Jersey, what I call New Jersey topographics. It's sort <laughs> of a play on the topographic movement. So how does your background, your training as a graphic designer affect the choices you make when you, when you press that shutter button? Well, I always, my style is very clean and not cluttered. Um, I was into minimalism for quite a while. I, um, a couple of years, I really, pretty much all I did was look for minimalism when I was out shooting. Um, now I, I just shoot a lot of different things, but minimalism really um, influences my photography. So when I'm looking at a scene, I look for things that are not cluttered. Um, that's why I don't like the cars. I try to get the people out of the shot and focus on the lines of the building, um, how they fit into the environment, um, the color, but I also like black and white, but the new topographics I mostly do in color because New Jersey can be very colorful, um, especially the backs of the, when I was shooting from the train and getting the backs of the buildings, you'd see a lot of um, very colorful storage containers, blue bins, you know, things like that need to be in color. Um, so it's just, I, I, to me, composition is the most important part of photography. Um, you can always make adjustments. I don't like to spend a lot of time uh, fooling around with the camera settings. I'd rather just collect my raw material and focus on my composition. And I do a lot of tweaking in post. I'm big on post-processing. Would you like to go there? <laughs> sure. No, I just, I, I, I am a, I like to post-process <laughs> and that's part of the, you know, with graphic design, you use sure. a computer, you use Photoshop. And so now I, I use Photoshop and Lightroom and um, I bring the photos to what I saw in my mind's eye. So if I see a scene, I say to myself, oh, I know what that's going to look like when I'm done with it. And mm -hmm. that's what I do. So as long as you remember when you get back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> I, I often come home with titles for them, too. I, uh -huh. I, I like to. <laughs> I like words just about as much as I like images. So often when I'm shooting, I'll come up with the title while I'm seeing a scene. And that's, that's a lot of fun for me. So it's not for everybody. You can get in arguments with people about whether or not photos need to be titled or if they should stand on their own. But I like titles when they're creative. So what would you say to somebody who uh, would say, you know, you just have to get it out of straight out of the camera without without anything. You know, you're not bullshit. a real photographer. <laughs> I call bullshit. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> to use that word, but I do. It, it's people get so hung up on that, and I I shoot raw. If you shoot JPEGs, you're letting the camera make the decisions for you. So the camera is doing the the contrast, the color adjustment, the dynamic range when you shoot raw you you decide what the final image is going to look like so i i just i have no patience for that argument i really don't i don't even get i don't even engage in that argument anymore because it online because it's fruitless yeah don't go there it's art so so what kind of camera gear are you using sounds like you 
Oh, oh. It sounds um, like you got a bit of a gas situation. I, I, I am a huge <laughs> sufferer of gas. My, my primary camera, well, I have two primary cameras. I have a, a Fuji X-T2. I don't see any need to upgrade. It still works fine. Uh, I have a Sony. I have the one, and that's no reason What do you have? The X-T1. I, I have the X-T1. I don't use it much, but. I love that camera. Yeah. Plus, it's weather sealed. It comes in handy. I have that, and the 18 to 30, uh, 135 millimeter zoom is that's my go-to kit when I'm at the beach because it's weather sealed and that fine sand just gets into everything. Mm-hmm. But I have a Sony A7R2. I like mm-hmm. using that for night photography because it's got the huge sensor. You know, it's a full frame. And um, I use, I have a few Fujis. I have different ones for different purposes. I have mm-hmm. some that are converted to um, infrared. I do a lot of infrared. And lately I've been getting back into film using um, vintage cameras. It's in, I think for me, it's more about using the vintage cameras than it is about what the film, like, I don't particularly want to shoot film to make it look like my digital work. I like that sort of imperfect look of film. So that's why I use cameras like a Brownie Hawkeye. I have an Argus C3, um, a Rollacord, although that, that makes beautiful images, but the, the, um, Things like the brownie, the box, I have a few box cameras. There, there's vignetting. Um, I even have a Holga. There's vignetting. They're, they're not perfect images, but that's, it gets me, um, I like to stretch myself a little beyond that perfect graphic look. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do with the film and the old cameras. So I'm, I'm all over the place and I'm just having the time of my life, to be honest with you. So do you process your own film? No. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I've had a few people say to me that, you know, I'm not getting the full film experience, you know, to get the full film experience, you need to develop it yourself. You need to print, you know, get an enlarger and all that. Nah, I'm a hybrid. I, um, I get them scan. I, I get the film developed by a lab and either they send me scans or I scan them myself and work on them. And, because I want everything in Lightroom anyway. They have mm-hmm. to get digitized anyway to share them. So, um, no, I don't. And I have no intentions of clogging up our plumbing with photochemicals. So. Yeah. I think I, a- I think my husband would have a fit, to be honest with you. <laughs> not not another thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. You're using the down ba- down, downstairs bathroom for what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I don't really want to get involved and it's chemicals. I don't really want to get. So in. what film are you using? Oh, uh, what do I usually use? Um, expired. <laughs> People <laughs> give me expired film. Um, I like, um, I've started using Kodak's Ektar 100. I like that. There's not a lot of green and the color's really nice. Um, I use um, Ilford's Delta 100 for black and white. I, I started with the 400, but I, I like the 100 a little bit better. I, I mostly shoot outdoors, handheld. I like to walk around and explore. I always feel like I'm on a treasure hunt when I'm out shooting. Uh, yeah, really. Uh, I feel the same way. So, are yeah. you? So, who's doing the processing for you? You want me to tell you the name of the lab? Yeah, what well, I, I use people. Yeah. I mean, I'd be happy to share if that's okay. I'll share it. Um, I use, there's a place in New Jersey that um, in Flemington called black lab imaging that I really, they're just really nice people and they're helpful. And if I'm in the mood, I drive there and I drop the film off and then I go back and pick it up. But the lab um, I use a lab called full tone in LaGrange, Kentucky that has unbelievably reasonable prices and they do a good job. So I like them a lot too. Yeah, I happened to do, discovered a lab here in town, in our little town, and they're excellent. Really? And then within a couple hours of dropping off the film, you get a wee transfer file. Wow! With the, with the scans. Really? Yeah. You might have to give me there. Do they do mail order too? I bet they do. It's called. Please Pro- send me a link. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll give them a plug too. They're good people. Yeah. Pro photo. On Main oh, Street uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia. Yeah. Oh, I, I would imagine yeah. they do mail order. I'm yeah. lucky I can actually go there. Oh, and they sell used old cameras. Oh, well, that's dangerous. I, I'm done there. with that. My gas has subsided for now. <laughs> I just got a Fuji 645. Wait, what is this? It's the GS 645. 
W. And um, it's a medium frame because I wanted a Fuji um, medium format camera. I But do I really need it? No. Is it too heavy for me to carry around? Yes. Yeah, they're a little so I, I, my compromise was to get a um, medium format Fuji film camera. And um, I'm just, I'm still testing it out. I have 30 days to send it back to Japan if I don't like it. But um, it's so far, it's looking pretty good. But it's fun. You haven't got a Leica yet, huh? No, no. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not, I know. I mean, it, it, they're wonderful cameras, but I, I go more for what I'm trying to accomplish than sure. kind of camera it is, to be honest with you. And I can do the results I've gotten with my Brownie Hawk guy. They're fun. They look like vintage vacation pictures. So I, I, I have different cameras for different intentions. Yeah, that's cool. So you've got to get 120 film, huh? I lost for some of my cameras. I have to get 120 and respool it to 620, and then ask for the spools back when I get it developed. Oh, really? The, yeah, 620 they don't make anymore. And um, this the brownie though, you can put 120 in it and with a 620 take up spool, and then that hmm. you know you don't have to convert the film or anything. But you can buy re rolled film from B and H for a lot more money. <laughs> Ah, uh, of course you can. Or I sit in a closet, or I use a dark bag, and I hand roll. Mm -hmm. it, it's just it's a lot of it for me is the process, um, the craft of photography, in, in addition to the artistic part. I enjoy just doing this stuff. You know, even if I just try it once and I don't like yeah. it, you know, I've tried it, but I've, I've so far I like it all. <laughs> there's just always something to learn. Yeah. Yeah, I just when you're talking, I'm looking over at the, the shelf over here. I, no, at a, oh. I've got a brownie on the shelf over there. But, Do you? Yeah, the Hawkeye, the the that. little br black box with the little plastic handle on the top. No, you don't have to get it. Okay, I'll I'll yeah, get it later. But that's uh, mine. Are the ones that they're the Bakelite with them? Um, I know which one. Yeah. Yeah, I bought two of them because they're so cheap. And what I did on one of them was I had read about this online. You take it apart and you flip the lens. And it gives you like a lens baby effect. So you know how with a brownie, you have to stand at least six feet away to get a clear picture. Mm -hmm. With the flipped lens, you can stand two to three feet away and you get a close-up effect and the background blurs out. You get a really nice bokeh with like a, oh, it's just really cool. Really? So that was a fun experiment. One that I, I, I pull that out occasionally and go shooting with that. Uh -oh. Now you're going to get me started doing something else. <laughs> It's dangerous doing this podcast. Oh, and I, that's why I like to, I share this stuff on Facebook. I tell little stories about it just because it's fun. And I've had people tell me, oh, you've inspired me to go out and look yeah. for one of those or whatever. It's just fun. It's, that's why they call it social media, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially, I don't know, it sounds like you're involved in some groups that are, people are really engaged, which is nice. Oh, God, uh, yes. Yeah. They're, they're wonderful. I, I, I've cut my group. I probably belong to a, way too many and I should call mm -hmm. my, uh, my list because I really only participate in a few, but um, yeah, I, I don't want to, I, for, frames is another one that's been really good that um, he's doing it. Tomas is doing a great job of um, just promoting good photography. It's like a passion project for him. And it's, um, it's been a lot, of, very good for a lot of us as far as exposure goes. So is this a group that Frames has, or you're just talking yeah, about? Yeah, their... he has a he has a group, he has a website, a group, um, a printed magazine. Everybody, the goal is to try to get into the magazine. But he does website features, and you know, it, he he just he's like a tireless, unbelievable human being, and and he runs the group very well. And it's just what I like about it. As much as I love the genre groups, um, this group is a lot of. Um, different types of photography there's a mm -hmm. lot of i mean that you you just you can't even imagine the variety so you never you, you could just sit and look at the pictures for an hour and and not see the same kind of thing twice it's great yeah facebook can do that yep yep can eat up a but lot i, of your I time. would like to take my photography beyond facebook so yeah. i don't want to focus too much on these groups but um it's been 
I can't think of a better way to start out than to meet all these wonderful people in the photo community. And you have a worldwide audience built in and you just have to engage and be polite. I don't get involved in nastiness or anything on Facebook. So it's, I enjoy it. Yeah. A lot of good people out there. Yeah, there really are. There really are. Yeah. You know, the, the trolls are few and far between. Yeah, I block them. <laughs> but yeah, but when you're when you're a group administrator, that's kind of a pain. <laughs> yeah, it is. No, I know. I, I was one of those for a while in a minimalism group, and it was uh, a lot of work and um, a lot of work. That's all I'll say. <laughs> a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it's a whole lot. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I know you also, you do something that really has nothing to do with street photography and uh, or new topographic. But it, I, I find it very interesting and creative. And you do a lot of work in the sand. Of course, you, oh boy. you have a place on a beach, so you're at the beach a lot. Yeah. Uh, can I talk about why um, the sand patterns show up for me? Sure. On a daily yeah, basis? And, you know, when you um, walk along the beach like that, you see these things on the ground yeah. that look, they're interesting. Yeah. it's. I'll give a little marine biology lesson. Um, oh, okay. I, had been, I do a lot of beach walking and I would see these little, um, they look like tiny little volcanoes with a hole in the middle. And I'd see these pellets shooting up out of, the, out of them onto the sand. So I thought, well, I'm an intelligent person. What, what do I think this is? I thought it was clams breathing and that's maybe like thought. filtering their food through, you know, that's what I assumed it was. Well, I finally Googled it. And I found out that um, there are these little creatures called ghost shrimp. They're about a half inch long. They burrow straight down into the sand and they eat down there and they need to excrete. So they basically propel their stuff out through the hole in the form of these little pellets. And they each one produces something like 500 pellets a day. So there's a lot of poop on the beach and it forms this black sort of like sludge that mixes with the tide. And then when the tide recedes, it dries and then the wind carries it up further on the beach and it mixes with that beautiful white sand that South Carolina has. And it just makes the most incredible patterns. I mean, I've even taken photos of the actual poop because it, the, when the water runs through it, you get these, um, it's just, they're gorgeous. It's like, they look like leaves. They, I see a lot that look like fish. I see things that look like um, mushrooms, feathers. It's just, and there's a never ending supply. You just have to get it on the right day. You know, I've, I've gone out on some days and come back with nothing, but some more, I, I like to walk mostly in the morning. And if you get it before there's a lot of footprints and everything, it's just like, um, it's like a gold mine and it's just so much fun. I bring them to life in post, you know, obviously they're cleaned up because there's little bits of twigs and stuff that get in the way. It's like cars and people, you know, <laughs> it's twigs and shells are my, um, the equivalent with my sand photos, but, um, it's really become a series that I enjoy quite a bit and people seem to enjoy it. Um, they like to tell me what they see in the sand that I found. I might think it looks like um, a mushroom. They think it looks like a mushroom cloud from an atomic bomb. <laughs> so, but but I love to hear it. You know, I love to hear what people think. It's it's a it's a fun project, but it's also um, I've got a, I've gotten a lot of good feedback on it from an artistic perspective. So. But it's those pooping shrimp. I got to give them credit too. You got, yeah, that's right. Do you normally find finding this at low tide? Yes. Oh God, yes. Yeah. yeah. High tide is um high tide the beach is tiny. It's very strange. Like um yeah. it, it's you're probably familiar with it. It just Oh yeah. Yeah. It it it's you can barely walk. And when it's low tide, it's like you're walking out a half a mile. It's just Yeah, it's it's looking. huge. Yeah. I know. I'm always disappointed when I want to go out and it's it's and you tight don't remember yeah, that it's high tide. tide, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, you do. I don't know. You do just so many cool things and just some. Thank you. You know, did you see any of the landscape? 
Oh, that my infrared. That's another fun thing I like to do because I like to try to um, give a little different look to that. I use infrared for a lot of um, black and white, high contrast photography rather than, you know, a lot of people when they shoot infrared, they shoot cemeteries, they shoot a lot of white tree, you know, the, the trees to get that wood effect, which is the white foliage. And I like that, but I try to give my own, put my own spin on it and do more. Um, like I shoot buildings, I shoot things that I know are going to look dynamic rather than soft and fluffy and white. Well, you should see our, our May issue. Our featured photographer is Terry Gold. Mm -hmm. uh, she's from New York, but she travels to the remotest places you could go on this planet. And she yeah. photographs only in infrared, infrared color. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. color. But like yeah. false color infrared? I mean, that, that, um, the pink and green or does she convert it to i mean it, it, there's so much you can do with color yeah you, you'll have to see it i'll yeah I'll, i'd love I'll, to i'll send you a link okay. and uh um look at the article i mean it's just amazing amazing work and she's okay. a, just a super cool person I, nice and, i'd love uh, to see it yeah so you did yeah so you definitely uh check it out yeah may yeah. May 2021. I, have to, I have to say something about um, when you talk about looking at other people's work. I refused to look at other people's work when I first started out because I didn't mm -hmm. want to be influenced. Um, you know, I, I, I was just starting out and doing my own thing. And I thought I had my own sensibilities and, you know, my design sense and my quirky way of looking at things. So I, I just didn't want to look at other people's work. But now that I'm a little more confident with my photography and I've been doing it for a while, now I love to look at other people's work because yeah. I realize that you, you develop your own voice, whether you um, try or not. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I never thought I had a style because I thought I was just shooting everything and you know, anything and everything and different. Everything's different. But now when I look at my own, I look back on my own work, I can see that I do have a style and it's graphic and it's clean and I got to own it. <laughs> That's you know, it. Go it's with your strength. Style. Yeah. Be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We'll credit that to, to Mark Twain. Not nope, me. That's okay. I love Mark Twain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. But uh, yeah, I mean, everybody's unique. That's. Yeah, we are. Um, yeah. yeah, I think we learn by looking at other people's work. Uh, Absolutely. It, it, it has a, a downside as well, because then you can like beat yourself up because you're not as good as you know, Saul Lighter. <laughs> well, you know who's one of my favorite street photographers is Elliot Erwitt. I mean, oh, good. I was going to ask you that question. Oh, so. God. If, if I, you know, anytime anyone makes, there are certain people that you don't mind being compared to. Like, I, I, um, the one time my, my street photography is very tame. I, I don't like to make people look bad. I don't like to photograph someone sneezing and imply that there's something horrible going on and they're screaming. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it, it's, I, yeah. I like to show people just it's slice of life type. That's my style of street photography. And often there's some humor. I have one shot that I took of um, a woman. It was in New York. There were two people walking that had black something strapped to their back it looked like maybe exercise mats or something but they look like walking spongebob square pants <laughs> and there was a woman walking behind them and i caught her with this look on her face turning her head and looking as though she was looking at them like what the heck i have no idea if that was what was really going on but i always got a kick out of it did the did the photo do well on Facebook, no, people <laughs> are like, that's not really a good street photo, but I thought it was hilarious. So that's, my style is very tame and kind of humorous and mm -hmm. uh, fun, you know, but um, if I get, so somebody at one point compared me to the, uh, they said, you're like the um, um, Norman Rockwell of street photography. Well, I didn't <laughs> like that at all. I mean, Norman Rockwell's fine, but I, I didn't want to be compared to Norman Rockwell. But once in a while, I'll get a, um, oh, your photos looks like Vivian Meyer or, oh, you're channeling Elliot Erwitt. And I'm like thrilled because yeah. it, it's that quirky humor that, you know, mm -hmm. 
if I had to be compared to anybody, it would be, I would like to be compared to Elliot Erwitt. Well, that's high praise. Yeah, definitely. Do you know him? Do I know him? Yeah, I don't even can... know if he's still alive. Yeah, I believe he is. Is he really? No, yeah. I don't know. I don't know any of the any uh, of the greats. Oh, I, you know, you live you know close to New York. I thought you guys <laughs> all knew each other. No, I <laughs> wish that's how. Oh, you're from New Jersey? Do you know so and so? No. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, no. I'm I don't being know. sarcastic. I'm sorry. I know, I know, but it's cute because I did. I was walking in New York for one day and I saw that. Um, oh, I don't know his. I don't remember his name, but he's a famous. He he shoots. Um, an older guy. He has one of those old cameras with the big flash gun on it, and oh uh, yeah, um, heck is not his Mario. Uh, I know you know who I mean. Yeah, he's got um, the, like the big four, a uh, big. The big, um, big, large format. Yeah, camera. yeah, uh, yeah. You know who I mean, but I know who he, you're talking I about. I forget his name. Yeah, uh, and I thought, oh, that I know who that is. You know, normally I, I wouldn't before photography. I would have said, oh, look at that cool camera that guy has. But I actually knew who he was. That was neat for me. That was a celebrity sighting. More yeah, exciting oh, yeah. than somebody on, you know, that I see on TV. Yeah, I had never heard of him, and then our our editor. Ashley Refo, she and her husband visited New York a few years ago, yeah. and she she doesn't do a lot of photography, but she comes back with this picture. She goes, "Look at this guy! He takes pictures of people on the street with this camera." Yeah, I had never heard of him, and and then after that, I keep seeing him everywhere. And yeah, Harvey oh, yeah. Stein, I was telling you about before we started. Um, just had a photo of him. You know, he runs into him all the time because he lives in the city, and uh, the guy's pretty much of a fixture. Yeah, that's like, like who was that guy um, that used to shoot the fashion? Bill Cunningham. Yeah, I was just going to mention Bill Cunningham. Yeah. yeah, I would have loved to have run into him or something or seen him in action. I, I it all fascinates me. It really does. It's um because now that I take pictures myself, you know, you you put yourself in their place and you realize what they go through to get some of the shots and how quick they are. You know, like, yeah. Street photography is not easy. I don't care what anybody says. It's not easy. It's, oh, it's easy. not easy at all. No. no, but somebody recently, there was a little dust up I saw online about, um, oh, street photography is easy. And he had taken a shot of a woman that was extremely unflattering. It didn't tell us, it, it told a story that was probably a false story. And he was, he was ripped apart and he ended up taking the photo down. But um, mm -hmm. it's, it's easy to just point the camera at people walking or people wearing a mask or people on their cell phones, but there's nothing interesting about the photo. No. So it's, it's hard to make street photography really, really interesting. Yeah. I had an article, I think it was in Petapixel originally, mm -hmm. and it's like seven things not to do or seven, seven aspects of boring street photos, something like that. Yeah. And good article. Mm -hmm. I'll, maybe I'll put it in here. I'll, maybe I'll send you a link. Okay. But maybe I should put a link in here. I, we share it out a lot. Uh, I think we yeah. even have links to it in some article. We have articles about how to write photo stories and things. And yeah. We link to it. But yeah. I can't wait to, to check out more of the stuff that you're sending me. It sounds really good. Yeah. I it's really good. Uh, but it's, I, one of the, it's one of the things not to take pictures of people on cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's a good um, idea. Sometimes, sometimes they yeah. can be interesting. Most of the time, sometimes, it's like oh, um, you know, it's been done to death. It, you know that, and the and people wearing. I refuse to. I've never taken a, per, a photo of a person in a mask. I just refused. I <laughs> I said I know there's going to be a ton of them out there. Um, I'd rather show the, the effects of the pandemic by showing um, shuttered restaurants, stores. Um, empty streets to me that's a lot more interesting than looking at a person in a mask but that's just mm. me yeah well hopefully that's that time's over and you don't have to worry about it well, we can only hope <laughs> yeah yeah I, uh one of my one of my non-favorite street photos is what i call people walking down the street pictures it's just yeah. you're walking down the street and you just click the shutter of the people coming at you with yeah, no thought not, of you know is it a good composition or the no, no exactly it's like that yeah. what do they call it run and gun or yeah. shoot, uh, spray and pray spray, and pray yeah yeah no that's not fun yeah that's not you good. don't do that with film too much do you no <laughs> that 
that was, that's a very good exercise for me because I was, as I mentioned, I used to shoot like 50 of one sunset or whatever. I'd go out for a day of shooting and I'd fill up my card with 300, 400 photos mm-hmm. and I'd come home and yeah, I get, I get a lot of keepers, but there was a lot that, and, and I don't delete them. So they're just clogging up my Dropbox. But now with film, um, you really have to think about like I'll go out with a roll of medium format and maybe there'll be 12 exposures and I'll just go for a walk and I'll only, I'll come home and I will only have taken like eight and then mm. I have to go out and finish the roll, you know, cause I, I take one photo of what I see. If it comes out, it comes out. If not, well, there's always another day. Um, so that was a very good exercise for me in restraint and thinking, you know, being more yeah. mindful with my photography. I got a, an idea from, a photographer up in Canada, uh, Shlomi Amiga. He, he's been on, we've featured him in the past. He's been on the mm-hmm. podcast. Good guy. Uh, he'll, he'll use a real small memory card, like a one gigabyte memory card. One gigabyte. Yeah. Wow. The I ones he used to get for free with the, yeah, with those, those, camera. <laughs> like yeah. a three megapixel camera. You'd get a little one. Me- those uh, are one like 64, card. 64 yeah. megabytes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you get exactly. a small, <laughs> yeah, a small card and you yeah. can only take so many photos. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then do it in raw plus raw plus JPEG. I don't do that. I just do raw. I don't yeah. do JPEGs. Anymore. Yeah. Well, it takes up more space than you've got yeah. fewer shots. But, yeah. yeah. I like the, um, the Fuji film. Do you use a Fuji at all? Or I the do. XT1 I, um, yeah. I have, um, I used the Fuji X100 series. Oh, I had a X100T. I yeah, almost it. since it came out for years. Yeah. That's a, that's yeah. that was my street camera. Oh, they're great. For and that. I just I just sold my last one. It was sad. I I, I I'm trying out the Leica Q. Oh, which is you know I, I'm used nice. to the fixed lens and and I prefer yeah. to shoot wider. So I picked one of those up used and given it a try. But the, I've got the X Pro two. Uh-huh. Which I love. I heard things about that right. too. And I, I told you I had the XT1. I, I love Fuji's. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. I had started with a Canon, then I went to a you know a DSLR, then I went to a Sony um, A6000. Yeah. This is back when I was just starting, and because um, I wanted something smaller, and then I went to Fuji, and oh, the I fell mm-hmm. in love with the dials. And their controls because it's nice. Just, it's all right outside on, on top. Yeah, yeah. And, and you don't have to go to the menus for anything. Or mm. I love Fuji. But yeah, me too. Like like, they 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 make a great product. Uh, yep. Yeah, I've got multiple lenses. Uh, was, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> but okay. no, that I, happens I like. Forward. Huh. That happens a lot when um, it happens a lot to me when I'm talking about photography because I tend to go off on tangents. It's <laughs> something I love. I just I get so much joy out of it that, um, and it's so nice to talk to someone else who appreciates that because um, I most of the people in my um, flesh and blood life are not photography mm-hmm. people at all, and they don't want to hear it. <laughs> no. I can't sit down and tell them about my excitement about you know this photo got an award on Facebook or whatever. They don't want to hear it. It's just no. fun. It's, you know, they're just happy that I'm happy. They yeah. don't need to know why I'm so happy. Yeah. They look at my About stuff this? once in a while. That's what but... she likes. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Sand poop. Come on. Yeah. really. What's with that? Like, like they say, oh, I like your sand pictures, Cindy. I'm like, well, thanks. You know, but um, they, they don't really know. Um, I, I, I wasn't even going to share uh, when I first started posting them, I wasn't going to share the thing about the shrimp, but then I found that that's one of the things that makes them interesting is how, how I, you know, I think people think I might make them up. Like I get these pictures of, 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 there's one I have in particular, it's a fish and it looks like there's bubbles coming out of its mouth. And I swear I didn't, I remove things from the photo, like twigs and shells and stuff, but I don't add like an eyeball or, you know, Uh and it's just incredible. It's so incredible. But a lot of that is because these, of the pooping shrimp. So I'm glad I, I might end up being known as the woman who shoots pictures of shrimp poop on the beach, but that's okay. You never know. <laughs> you could be touring your, to be Europe for. this time next year with your 
shrimp poop pictures. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad you told me. I always wonder what those little piles of sand came from. Yeah, that's well. Yeah, now see, I told you I can give you a marine biology lesson yeah. as well as the to talk about why the sand looks the way it does. It's yeah. magical. I call it my magic beach, and it's magical sand. So there's not yeah. sand like that in New Jersey. So not at all. No, the, even in Virginia, stuff. we don't we don't have it at the no. beach here. No, plain. So, it's just sand. So, all right, now maybe you can tell me about what's with all those cannonball jellyfish that are all over the beach. Oh, that well, cannonball <laughs> season. I went for a walk one day um, before I really knew much about them, and I thought, oh, there's dead jellyfish on the beach. Um, it was probably about a two-mile walk, and I counted 300 of them that had washed up on the beach. And it, they're they're incredible. Um, I don't know if they sting or not. I don't really go in the water much, believe it or not. There, you know, there was a shark sighting this year. So actually, yeah, some guy's that. Achilles tendon got bit. He he had a very bad injury from a shark. And there's <laughs> that's the last beach where you worry about sharks. But um, I just don't really have any desire to go in the water. I just like to walk, and I just love to walk on the beach. It's always been a favorite activity of mine. Now I create art from it. No, that's great. It, uh, if any of you better, any of you listening hasn't been to the South Carolina beaches, you're missing out. They're great. They are yep. great for walking because they're flat yep. and they're hard. Yep. You're not like slogging, feels like slogging through deep snow. I ride and, my bike on the beach too. Yeah. I have one of those old beach cruisers I bought off season used and I beat it up and I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. With my too. camera around my neck, and then I see something, and I screech to a halt, and I get off my bike, and I take a picture, and I get up, <laughs> get course. back on my bike. You can't go out without it. Nope. Well, Cynthia, I tell you, it's been great talking to you. I, yeah, this was I, fun. I, I enjoyed it. We could do it. this all day. I know, especially if we talk about the beach. But <laughs> the beach. I want to get back to New York, honestly. But um, I'm hearing some scary things about it right now, and it's just not, you know, with covid and everything it hasn't been um but i haven't been there in over a year and i was going in almost every week i would take so go in you're not far and then I'm, I'm, i will again but you know i've been busy with sand and poop yeah oh that's true. <laughs> there you go there you go yeah but thanks for this opportunity i really enjoyed it bob well before we go you got to tell everybody where they can can learn more about you so for I, I'm working on a website. But, okay, uh, so it's not my, there yet. Go to my Facebook page, <laughs> Cynthia Gladys. <laughs> okay, G L A D I S, right? Yes, that's me. Okay, we'll put definitely put the link in the uh, in the article in the show notes. So okay, yeah, I don't post anything about food anymore or anything. It's all photography. <laughs> <laughs> no pictures <laughs> of your lunch. Website. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again. Okay, and thank you. Bye bye. Your thoughts about the show go a long way in helping us decide on the guests and the subjects that we include in each episode. So please take a few moments to write a review in Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to stream your podcasts. It helps us know if we're on the right track and it helps others to find and enjoy the show. The editor of Street Photography Magazine is Ashley Refo, and our audio engineer is Russell Boyd from WeBit Studios found at webitstudios.co.uk. I'm Bob Patterson, and this is the Street Photography Magazine podcast, a service of Street Photography Magazine. <music>